Welcome back to another segment of Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM920, The Answer, here in Atlanta. In this segment, are there tax benefits to owning an investment property? You would think that most people would know the answer to that question, but many people do not. And how does depreciation fit into the equation? Right now, in a time of significant appreciation in property values, depreciation seems like a bad word. What do you need to budget for when buying a home? Three different categories of expenses you need to budget for, and we will outline those in this segment. When you think about it, depreciation doesn't sound like a nice word. certainly doesn't sound very positive. It sounds the op- like the opposite of appreciation, which is weird because you'll probably appreciate all the tax savings it will give you. Wouldn't that excite you to know that the investment property you bought has brought with it some great tax benefits as well? Bob in Brookhaven wrote in saying, I'm considering purchasing a small home as a fixer-upper to potentially rent out after some improvements have been made. As an investor, what are the tax benefits of owning rental property, and how does depreciation fit into the equation? And so let's start by talking about depreciation, if you don't mind. Um, the, The U.S. government allows real estate investors to depreciate the value of a property over 27 and a half years. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, you take 100% of the improved value, and let's just say you bought a property that's worth 400000 and the improved value of the property, according to the tax records, is 300000 Let's just use that for easy math. Well, the government says you depre- depreciate that property one 20, uh, over 27 and a half years, so you depreciate it one I don't know how to say that. You depreciate it 3.636% per year. So take 100 divided by 27 and a half years, and you come up with, I believe, 3.636%. Easy for me to explain. So if you have a $300,000 property, improved value property, that means you're going to depreciate that property, if you think about it, 3%. So that's 369000 plus just call it another 1500 That's $10,500 per year in depreciation. And you're probably thinking, well, what? what? How does that work? Well, if I made $10,500 on that property in income for the year after my expenses, then the depreciation is a non-cash expense that is designed to extinguish the life of that property over 27 and a half years. Now, it doesn't mean that you won't eventually have to pay taxes because when you sell the property, the government charges what's called recapture, which I believe is 25% flat rate. And so you're going to pay tax on it sometime, but you're not going to pay tax on it today. And think about it. If you never sell your property and you leave it, for example, to your kids or to other heirs, then it would go to them at a stepped up basis, which means the tax consequences would sort of be ignored on all of that depreciation. So the benefits of depreciation is it allows you to earn income, passive income without paying taxes. So when is the last time you were able to earn $10,500 without paying taxes in the current year on the $10,500. So to answer your question, Bob, in Brookhaven, depreciation is a significant benefit. Well, if you save $10,500 in income and you happen to be at a 30% tax bracket, then you've saved yourself $3,000 in taxes right there just by taking the depreciation. With a rental property, you are also able to deduct your expenses, your property taxes, your insurance, your mortgage interest, your property management fees, your cost to maintain or repair the building. You can decrease your income. You take the rental revenue you get and you deduct all of your expenses out and you're only going to pay taxes or include as profit what is left over. You also can take advantage of qualified business expenses, advertising, office spaces, legal and accounting fees. You get to deduct those 
from your profit. As we talked about, you get to depreciate the cost of the property over time. You depreciate it over 27 and a half years. Why is it 27 and a half? Because that's what the IRS says it is. It used to be a, lot, a faster depreciation schedule, but it was changed, I believe, in 1986. You also get to take advantage of capital gains if you own a property longer than a year, then typically when you sell it, it will be long-term capital gains. I believe long-term capital gains tax rates today are about 25%. Uh, you can correct me if I am wrong on that number, but instead of it being a short-term capital gain where you're paying earned income tax on it, you're just paying a flat capital gains rate. You're paying it, if you're in the state of Georgia, to the U.S. government, also to the state of Georgia. Then there are also ways to defer taxes using uh, IRS incentive programs. For example, a 1031 exchange allows you to exchange your property for a like-kind property somewhere in the United States. And another cool benefit is that when you earn money from a rental property, it is passive income, not active income. So the government knows that you didn't go out and earn it, so the government doesn't expect you to pay Social Security tax. And that's a big deal because when you're self-employed and if you have income that's subject to, to Social Security tax, you would pay what's called self-employment tax. And that could be 15% because when you pay a little over 7%, your employer pays a little over 7% as well. So that can be a huge savings. And right now, if your income goes through a pass-through entity, so if you buy the property in your own name and then you put it into, for example, an LLC, then income that comes through a pass-through entity, you get to deduct 20% of that income. So if you made $10,000 or if you made $20,000, you would deduct 20% uh, of that or $4,000. You'd have another deduction of $10,500 for the depreciation. So there are tons and tons of tax benefits for owning a rental property. And you know, I've talked to people and who say that it is just impossible to buy a rental property in today's market. And I beg to differ. Uh, there are some properties that um, are in bad enough shape that your typical home buyer is not willing to get into a bidding war or to do anything to try to buy the homes. I am buying a home myself now over in Snellville. <clears throat> I wouldn't say I got a screaming deal on it, but I would say I'm paying thirty dollars or $40,000 less than the market value. Now, the reality is I might spend the bulk of that you know, getting the property back up to top-notch and rentable shape. But the reality is in today's world, you know, tenants are having just as hard of a time finding homes to rent as as uh, buyers are finding homes to buy. And so the reality is that um, we will probably be able to get a very, very attractive rental rate for that property. Now, I do not believe that a landlord's only responsibility is to get the maximum return. I think it's a landlord's responsibility to provide a good, safe, habitable place for tenants to live. And I only say that because so many people get into the landlording business and they forget that they're dealing with people's lives. And when they don't take that seriously or they don't have empathy for their tenants, then in many cases, the tenants can get very, very difficult to deal with. When I first got into the landlord business, I managed properties myself. And to say that all of my tenants disliked me would be an understatement. I acted like I was better than they were and because I was a landlord and they were the tenant. And I had problems with them at every single pass. I got somebody different to manage my property later. They were very friendly with the tenants. I never missed collecting even one dime rent, uh, even though this property manager was very, very friendly with the tenants. It wound up being one of the best decisions I ever made. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Go Gaddis Real Estate Radio right here on AM 920, The Answer. I'm Cleve Gaddis, and I really appreciate you sticking with us this Easter weekend. What do you need to budget for when buying a home? 
Guys, when it comes to buying a home, it can feel a bit intimidating to know how much money you need to save and where to find that information. Let me just give you three things that you need to be thinking about. A couple of them are fairly easy to um, come up with. And then the third, you're going to have to get some help from a lender. But the first thing, you're going to be responsible for your down payment. So you need to know as you get started with the process, are you going to put 3% down, 5% down, 10% down, 15% down, 20, 25? You can put any number in between those. There are 3% down payment options for first-time homebuyers, meaning if you haven't owned a home in the last three years, you can actually buy one with a conventional loan and only put 3% down. FHA would be 3.5%. VA could be 0% down, and a USDA loan in the rural areas could be 0% down as well. So you need to know what your down payment is. If you're going to buy a $400,000 house and you're going to put 20% down, it's $80,000. If you're going to put 10% down, it's $40,000. If you're going to put 5% down, it's $20,000. You can figure out what that number is. The other, a second piece of money, that you'll need to come up with when buying a home is your earnest money deposit. I will tell you, in Atlanta, typically it's 1% of the purchase price. So in our $400,000 example, it'd be $4,000. I would say that earnest money in today's market, with it being so tight, is twice that. Now, the earnest money is not in addition to your down payment because the earnest money, if you paid, for example, $10,000 in earnest money, it would be credited towards your down payment at closing. The third thing you need to be aware of is closing costs. The Federal Trade Commission defines closing costs as any upfront fees charged in connection with a mortgage loan transaction, origination fees, title insurance, uh, uh, fees to set up your escrow accounts, and that you're going to want to get a good faith estimate or a, um, a basically a cost estimate worksheet from your lender. Those are the three upfront costs. I would say that your typical buyer's Closing costs are on an average price home in Atlanta are probably between two and a quarter and two and a half percent. So if you wanted to budget, if we had our same $400,000 example at two and a half percent, that'd be $10,000 in closing costs. Those are the things that you need to be prepared for. This segment of the show is brought to you by the law office of O'Kelly and Sorahan. They're a full-service law firm with 25 offices throughout Metro Atlanta, and they specialize in residential real estate closings, including home purchases, refinance closings, corporate relocation, and real estate contract review, and title insurance matters, they can be reached by calling 770-497-1880. If you are thinking of selling your home anytime in the next six months, wouldn't it be nice to have someone who could do predictive pricing for you? In today's world, most home sellers think realtors are not good at pricing homes, and it's because most realtors are using only the comps from the past to price homes. But in today's world, you need to pay very close attention to what's flowing through the market now in your area and outside of your area, but in an area that people would consider as comparable to your area. I have found for home sellers in the last six months an extra $40,000, dollars $60,000 in value for their homes that they didn't know existed. I'm not saying they wouldn't have gotten there had they listed it for a price that was lower, but the reality is, in my opinion, they got a lot more because we used our predictive pricing model. If you'd like to know what our predictive pricing model says about your home, what the value is, and how much higher than that value we can push it, go to gogaddisradio.com, G-O-G-A-D-D-I-S radio.com. Go to the Contact Us field, say you want predictive pricing analysis on your home, and we will do that for you. We're going to take a quick break. In our next segment, we've got Lake Washington and Lawrenceville. been a long time since we did that, since we featured that neighborhood in our neighborhood spotlight. Flood insurance, what is it and why would you need it? And then home inspection. Should I do one or should I not? We've got those subjects and more. Stick with us. We'll be back. <laughs> 